0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Running Rams podcast. As always, I'm Gavin Bishow.
1: And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we're going over roadies last two games against Richmond and VCU and pre- previewing
0: their next two games against UMass and George Mason. We're also going over a look across the country last week and this week and across the A-10 as well. We have to get into, so let's get into it. Come on, I- Iverson
1: clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rooney, the 8-10 chance. with four. Oda 30 feet away, jumper in the air. He's got it. Lamar Oda has won it for Rhode Seconds left to the corner. Shot for three by Stan. <laughs> Terrell down eight seconds, gonna go right in
0: traffic, off balance shot down, and for the first time First I want to shout out roadie sports on IG That's a roadie dot sports, all lowercase roadie dot sports on Instagram for great edits, great graphics, and your up-to-date news for Rhode Island Rams basketball. Also give our social media a follow on Twitter at running Rams pod and on Instagram at running dot Rams dot pod the Rams coming into a tough week. They take a Virginia road trip. They go on to face the Richmond spiders as well as VCU back to back. Let's start with Richmond. Colin, what do you, what do you got to say about that game?
1: I think plain and simply just ran into the, the better more experienced, and deeper team in this game. And, and they just exposed you for that. I mean, there's still some positives at the end of the day, but I mean, is this, this team ceiling or are they just going to compete with the elite teams in this conference and fail to compete late in the game and lose by nearly double digits? I mean, the efforts at the end of these games, they're just pathetic. I mean, plain and simple, they're just pathetic. I think they just forget how to play basketball towards the end of the game. That's where their inexperience shows and Richmond, a deeper team. They've got a lot of seniors on that roster that really showed up late in this game and Richmond just dominated from the last few minutes on in toward the end of that second half. But the offense seemed to click in the first half. But again, turnovers are, are the story for, for this game, I think.
0: Yeah. So Richmond seems to have all the answers in the first half returning every blow from the Rhodey Rams. I mean, every time Rhodey scored, Richmond gave a shot right back. But the Rams kept fighting, and they were down 35-34 at the halftime break. The Rams took their first lead of the night after Jeremy Shepard three-ball 32 seconds into the second half putting the rams up 37 35 but it was a back and forth battle between the two teams till about 15 30 left in the second half the spiders started creating their distance the rams out in a possession a few times down the stretch but clutch shots from tyler burton and a few daggers from the man jacob gilliard sealed the deal for the richmond spiders as they took the victory 80 to 73 i would say all in all the rams played Played very well. I think they competed at a high level, but like you said, we can't start competing at a high level and not win these games. I think Gilliard obviously killed the Rams. He had multiple clutch three-pointers at the end of the game and the shot clock and some clutch moments and some clutch possessions. And I feel like all you can do is tip your cap to Jacob Gilliard. I mean, his release is so quick and he's just so versatile of a player. You see why he's a preseason first-team a 10 selection. I mean, he's a, self, a stealthy steel machine. Again, quick release on the offensive end. And he went, Six for eight from three. He had 22 points and five steals. I mean, this, st- this starting five for Richmond was just, you can see, experience. I mean, they scored 79 of the team's 80 points, just the starting five alone. Uh, with the Nord rules, you have like Grant Golden forward. He had 17 points out of rebounds. Blake, Grant, uh, Blake Francis had 15 points four assists, and guard slash forward Nick had 14 points and five rebounds. I feel like the Richmond offense was cutting all over this roadie squad as they were getting easy buckets down low and getting to the free throw line. You do those good looks down low.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jacob, Jacob Gilliard, and I think in my mind, at least, he's probably the most complete and the best two-way player in the conference. I mean, this this team could not stop him. He was all over the floor. He was causing havoc. He was creating turnovers. You know, you, he had a steal. It seemed like every possession, just because he's so dominant on the defensive end, almost as dominant as he is on the offensive end. And, I mean, Grant Golden, I talked about it last time, how he can be a huge factor in this game. And Rody just couldn't really stop him. I mean, Mikel Mitchell did a decent job at some points, but at the end of the day, not the best performance. Not what you're going to need in a game like this, especially against a big-time player like Grant Golden. But he was just an immovable object in the paint. He, he just could not be stopped. I mean, that shot over the shoulder, he hit it almost every single time. Um, but still, I mean, yeah, there are some positives, like I said before. I mean, you still shot better, at least, from the field than Richmond. I mean, but they they got to the free throw line more. That kind of made a difference there. They took advantage of every turnover roadie had. Um, I mean, but what frustrates me here is, I mean, this team can claw back. They can fight hard. They can trim leads down to almost nothing. But then they have a couple of bad possessions where the offense doesn't seem to click. It doesn't look like they have a manageable offense. And that plagues them. That causes them to go back down again, and then that lead becomes larger for their opponent, and it's so hard to to mount that. And I mean that that that's really what plagued them in this game. They could claw back, make it within one, and then all of a sudden Richmond is up seven or eight. I, it's it's crazy. I mean it it's happened a bunch of times this year. I feel like, and I mean that if that keeps happening, I mean that the I think your 8-10 record is not going to be pretty at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, we talked about it earlier in this season about keeping your work, right? And not giving your work up. Like you've worked so hard to go on a stretch over three or four minutes and it's gone in about 30 seconds. So they got to learn how to hold on to their work. But looking back at Rhodey uh, in this Richmond game, I feel like they played well enough to be 12 out of the 14 teams in the A-10. I uh, But they have, they have to play even better if they want to knock off a Richmond or St. Louis. I really do think they, they played well, of course, down the stretch. Wasn't really the best, but if you look at team stats, there's one thing that killed them and it's turnovers. Ram committed 19 turnovers compared to Richmond's seven. That was the difference in Wednesday's matchup. URI shot better by 7%. They rebound the spiders by 10. The spiders made more threes, but the Rams didn't take as much three point shots as the spiders did well from three. The Rams did shot 40%. I feel like, and I talked about it last episode, the main goal, in this game was to win the turnover battle or at least make it close. And the Rams did not as it showed to be the difference versus a win and a loss for Rhode Island. I mean, 19 to seven turnovers as a 12, that's 12 turnovers. It's a big margin right there between Richmond and Rhode Island. And you look at those turnovers. That's 19 times. You didn't get to shoot the basketball for a team that shoots 52% from uh, the field. Like obviously you have some turnovers, but if, say they had seven turnovers like Richmond, Right, that's 12 more shots. That's six more buckets compared to their stats. That that gives them the win right there. Like just holding on and giving yourself a chance to score, it that will win you games. Right, and that's the thing I, I get annoyed about turnovers. Like I like turnovers. You don't even get a chance to score. You don't even get to throw up a, a half court shot or a fadeaway three. You don't have to throw up anything, right? You don't give yourself a chance to score if you can't shoot the ball. If you don't have the ball in your possession, so. It's just really tough and frustrating to watch a team that is so close, just plagued with turnovers and so many lost opportunities. Looking at individual stats, I think Fats had a solid performance, 18 points. Still struggled from three, going over five, but he still managed to get to the rack and get much-needed buckets for Rhodey. Antoine Walker, I feel like he had a great game on the offensive end. We've talked about at length how you know his rebounding's there, but we need his he needed offensive side to pick up. He had 12 points, eight rebounds, and Jeremy Shepard, another solid game. He had 11 points, going three for five. From three point range, Colin. Who are you most impressed with?
1: I I I would probably say Fats. I mean, d- definitely not, definitely not shooting wise. But um, actually, you know, I'll go with Antoine Walker. I I really love what I saw from Antoine in this game. He shoots six for seven on field goals, grabs eight rebounds, has twelve points. Um, you know, I he he's wasn't the leading scorer in this game, but he still made an impact. And I felt like he's he's really jumped this year. Where where last year we kind of struggled to see him make the adjustment and, and make that jump. And that's partially probably because he, he couldn't, you know, play for a while heading into last season. And now he's a normal starter every single game. And I hate when he's in foul trouble because he, I think he makes an impact more than any other forward, but he still made an impact on this game. You know, he, he didn't have the biggest game, but he still finds a way to make an impact. And going off with, with fats, I mean, 18 points is good for him. But but the shooting, I mean, I, I don't know if that's that's gonna fix though. I, I, I think that's just the type of player he is. I don't think he's the best shooter, but his ability to to go to the rack and and get fouled and maybe make that bucket, I, I think that's what makes him a, a you know a, a really key asset for this team. And he's the most consistent free throw shooter, probably him or Jeremy Shepard. So that's definitely key as well. He can cause steals. He can grab rebounds, surprisingly for his small stature. But you know, Fats, I don't think the shooting is going to improve that much. I, yeah, I, I just think he's he's not the type of player that's going to hit almost every shot. He's not the Jacob Gilliard that's going to you know blow you away with how well he's shooting. But he can still grab near 20 points and and cause some havoc on the floor. So I do like what I'm seeing from Fats in that regard. I would like to see him make some more threes, make some more shots from the field. But I just feel like that's the type of player he is.
0: Yeah, my, my overview or my final thoughts of the game, it's just turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I've come to the conclusion that, and you can see this in the VCU game, a trend, but you or I will turn the ball over. And I, I think we just have to accept it. They're going to turn the ball over more than average, above average amount, which is not good. But the question is, can they force some of their own to even out those numbers? I think we see that trend in the VCU game. Going to VCU, Colin, the Rams were at five and six, two and two in the eight ten. This is a big game. As you know, you need to go one and one this week if you want to stay in double by contention because you've got a rough schedule coming up in a month or so for the Rams. They travel on the road. They they're in Richmond, Virginia still. Uh, that's where VCU plays in Richmond, Virginia. So they didn't let them go anywhere far, but it's another game in which both teams were going back and forth in the early going In this one. VCU got as much as a five-point lead twice on the Rams, but the Rams bounced back from both of them in the first half, and this one seemed to be a classic A-10 shootout in the making. The game was tied at 40 apiece at the halftime break with 22 of VCU's 40 points in the first half coming from the bench. URI limited Bones Highland to only 3 first half points very huge for the rams after a pair of and ones and some fast fast russell free throws a 8-2 uri run at the start of the second half gave verdi the six point advantage 48 to 42 a minute in a few 3 minutes into the second half as I mentioned before, Bones Highland only had three first half points. He couldn't stay dormant for too long as he exploded, hitting back-to-back threes and hitting a pair of free throws, put VCU right back in that lead. Like you said, they go up six. Now they're down two, 50 to 50-48. The game went back and forth. The, sc- the score was tied 54-54, 13-20 to go. Now over the next six minutes, could be the best Rhode Island basketball we've seen all year. They shot lights out, superb defense, and they outscored VCU 21-5, to giving Rhode Island their largest lead of the day at 75-59 to with 6.23 remaining. Rhodey would go on to cruise to a pivotal 83-68 victory over VCU, making the Rams of Rhode Island victors of 9 out of the last 10 matchups between these two teams.
1: This was a huge one. I, I really felt like you needed this win to be one of those top teams in the conference late in the year. I mean, this was a tough road trip going to Richmond, going to VCU. I, I get there's no fans, but it's still tough going on the road. Um, but maybe this team kind of found out who they were. Maybe they needed a little road trip to kind of find out who they are as a team, because although they've played a bunch of games this year, It's been weird. I mean, they've gone a bunch of different places. They've been at home at the Ryan Center. It's been a little difficult to figure out, so I feel like that might have helped in that regard. But, I mean, with Rhode Rhode Island, they proved that they can finally win a big 8-10 game. And I I get they beat St. Bonaventure before, but that was kind of sloppy. Now they beat one of those top teams in the conference and have a very good game. I really feel like they proved that they can be one of those top competitors in the conference. And, again, Fats, I mean, does not have a great shooting performance by any means, He only goes four for 11 from the field, but he chips in with 23 points. And I mean, I guess at this point for fats, whatever you can do, you can do. I mean, I don't care if it's, you know, a struggling performance in the field. If you can still chip in with a bunch of points, be around that 20 point figure, then this team can win. I mean, they've won those past couple of games where he's been in that range and not shot well, like those games against St. Joe's and, you know, right here with VCU. So. I think it's really important that also Bones Highland, I mean, he was right behind him in this scoring deal. He has 24 points of his own, but still, I mean, Rhodey shut out Vince Williams. And that was big because we knew he could be a factor. We knew that we talked about that on the last episode. So they only really allowed Bones Highland to go off and have that big game. No one else stepped up for VCU. He was really the only one in this game.
0: Yeah, Bones Highland, as you mentioned, finished with 24 points, including 20 of those occurring in the second half. Those 21 points being 75% of VCU's offensive work in the second half, as they only had 28 second-half points. Vince Williams only limited to four points, and off the bench, Keyshawn Curry guard had 11 for VCU. Now, as to the roadie side, there were two standouts, one being Fats Russell, as you mentioned. He had 23 points, nine rebounds. Surprising nine rebounds for someone who's 5'9", 5'10". This is his big thing right here. Of course, didn't shoot well from the field, but went 13 for 14 from the charity stripe. And also look out for, it, or they had a good game, Richmond native in his... "Quote unquote homecoming game." Jeremy Shepard he had twenty points in just an impressive performance, definitely his best game all year. He found way to sco- found ways to score all over the floor. I am most impressed with his interior game as he penetrated that VCU defense and continued to stay strong and make tough layups. Looking at the team stats, something that shoots out is VCU's block numbers. This helped them so much on the defensive end in the second in the first half, and these numbers fizzled in the second half. But VCU. Finished with 11 blocks, eight of those came in the first half. Rody had another great game from the field, going 48% from the field compared to VCU only shooting 38.9% from the field. Another key factor that helped this Rody offense explode was their efficiency from downtown. The Rams were able, the Rams, Rhode Island rather, were able to go eight for 14 from three, 57%, and going a solid 23 for 30 from the free throw line. Uri also re- out-rebounded VCU. 41-26, to 26, 11 of those 41 rebounds coming on the offensive end. Now, Rhode Island did turn the ball over 19 times, Colin, which is a lot, but they also forced VCU to commit 16 turnovers. So it leads to my point, obviously, we want as little turnovers as possible, but if you I can keep this turnover battle close and the margin close and as low as possible, they give themselves a chance to win a game day in and day out.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you told me the score of this game, and you or I had 19 turnovers I would have said they lost but they won by double digits I mean that that's just crazy to me uh but you still got a win but you you know it's you know we talked about a couple times ago with you know those games against St. Bonaventure and St. Joe's where you have a bunch of turnovers you play sloppy you somehow squeak out a win I mean they didn't squeak out a win here they demolished him I mean by the score at least I mean they I feel like they just outplayed them in the second half. They dominated, and you get a double-digit win. This was much needed for this team. I love what I saw from Jeremy Shepard. I mean, I I think he's really starting to come into a rhythm. We saw some great games in the beginning, but now he's really starting to be more consistent, and I I really feel like we started to see that consistency slip away early in 8-10 play, but it's certainly picking up again, and it's definitely been there since that game against St. Bonaventure, but he goes 8-for-13 in this game from the field. Two for four from three, has 20 points. I don't know if it's him playing in his hometown. If we could get him playing in Richmond every game, I would do that because I feel like he would have a game like that every single game. But nonetheless, what a game from him. I mean, he's proven he can be probably the best shooter on this team with Fat struggling this year. I really hope we can see that consistency from three because he can be just the deadly three-point shooter. He can be the guy in the, late in the second half when you need that dagger you're going to Jeremy Shepard because he can knock that down. And I really hope he continues this for the rest of the season. Um, you know, otherwise, I really love the the breakout performance from Alan B. I mean, he goes five or eight on field goals, two for three from three, 13 points. This was needed for him. He's I, I wouldn't say he struggled. I mean, he, he definitely hasn't had some great games, but he hasn't made his impact felt yet. And he really did in this game. I feel like he can be a very good shooter. He has to embrace that. So if we can get something of this every game, this is really going to help this team.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that the guard play for the Rams was outstanding. I mean, Betran, Fats, Jeremy Shepard, that's just a lot of offense right there from those guards, and that's what you need for this very team that, you know, without Makai Mitchell, right? You, you rely on Antoine Walker and Mikel, who, yes, they, they can score, but do they every single game they consistently score 10, 15 points is now. So you can need a lot of help from that, that guard group. And if they can keep getting that, it's going to be hard to stop this team. Right. moved to six and six and three and two in the a 10, after that pivotal win over BCU on the road, looking up to their next game on Wednesday, they travel on the road to the Mullen center at UMass. This game's on January 13th, 7. PM. The game will be on Nesson. So, so this game was originally scheduled for February twenty seventh, but it was moved to tomorrow night, the thirteenth. So there's room for any need needed makeup games later in the season for a ten play for both teams. As we've seen a couple teams, Richmond went down today. They shut down the program. We've seen in the past, seen Saint Bonaventure, UMass get shut down. We've seen all but four teams, in the a ten get shut down. So leaving room for that. UMass is 3-3, 2-1, 8-10 play led by head coach Matt McCall in his fourth season with this Minutemen squad. This UMass team, as I mentioned before, didn't start their season until December 11th due to COVID, which shut down their program for two weeks. This is a very odd team, Colin. They have beat and lost to Northwestern. They beat LaSalle twice and had a, have a brutal loss in double overtime to George Mason, which we mentioned a podcast or two ago, which the Minutemen definitely should have won that game. And we talk about star players, talk about Trey Mitchell, Colin. He's averaging 20.7 points, 7.2 rebounds. Do not let the height fool you, though. Standing at 6'11", Mitchell shoots an outstanding 46.2% from three. In the season finale of 2020 last year, these two teams faced off in the Mullen Center, and Mitchell had himself a game. Trey Mitchell, rather, had himself a game, dropping 34 points and grabbing 12 rebounds he's just a stud on both sides of the ball. He's a big force down low, especially when you're trying to drive on him, but he on the offensive end, he's everywhere, whether it's from downtown, whether it's posted up in, in, in his post game, whether it's just letting him drive to the basket, his mid range jumper. I mean, he's got it all and he, he's definitely the guy to look out for if you're UMass, but some other players to look out for senior guard. Who's who I seen, who seems to be there forever. I I don't remember a year in the past five, or six years, where he hasn't been here. But guard, Carl Pierre, he's averaging 15.2 points. And UMass really realized it on their guard game from Pierre, Noah Fernandez, Javon Garcia, and TJ Weeks, mixed in with Trey Mitchell to get this offense going.
1: Yeah, I feel like this team, I mean, to me at least, the only guy that matters is Trey Mitchell. I, I get there's a couple other guards there, but at the end of the day, the forward and Trey Mitchell is just and he's an absolute beast. I mean, he's going to be causing havoc. He's going to be all over the floor. So I mean, he's going to have his points. I feel like he's going to drop twenty just because of the nature of how good he is as a player. But at the same time, you're going to need to stop him. You're going to need your forwards to come in. Antoine's got to have a big game. I feel like I've said that every time. I feel like Antoine's got to have a big game every game because there's so many just bigs. That they've played this year, that they've needed them. I mean, you know, and Saint Bonaventure, Grant Golden and Richmond, and now you got Trey Mitchell with UMass. And I mean, you have Mikel Mitchell in there as well. I feel like he, you know, will have a decent game. Um, I'm hoping for some blocks, though. I've I, I heard a lot heading into this season about how he can be an excellent blocker in the paint. I've seen it, you know, a, a handful of times this year, but haven't seen it a ton. They're going to need that. I'm not saying you're going to block Trey Mitchell every time, but you're going to need him to to get a a block every now and then. I mean, if Jermaine Harris can have a decent, somewhat decent game, you're going to be in good shape. And I feel like he has shown some strides this year. He has struggled. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, we've seen slight improvement this year. It hasn't been as unbearable to watch him this year. It's still, you know, it's still tough on the eyes to watch him play basketball, but it has been a little bit better this year I mean, hopefully if he can if he can be a little bit of a factor that helps this team but i i mean i think you got to win this game i i get umass there's a lot of hype around them this year with trey mitchell obviously but i mean just me I, I haven't watched them that much but i i just feel like they're trey mitchell or nothing i feel like if he's not going this team really struggles i i don't think they're a very good basketball team besides trey mitchell I've never thought UMass is very good at basketball. I've never thought they're very good at sports up until their hockey team got good somehow. But I mean, you got to beat UMass. Like it's just—I don't care what year it is—you got to beat UMass. I mean, they're your rival in this conference. I don't know how much how how deep of a rivalry it is because you seem to win a lot. But you got to beat UMass. I mean, this is a game you just can't lose.
0: Definitely, and we looked at the keys to victory here, Colin, the Minutemen. They, they shoot a decent 34% from three. It, it's very average, but they do average 86.2 points a game accompanied with grabbing 36.7 rebounds per game. So a big key right here is this: they got to hammer the glass, right? The Rams got to hammer the glass and make sure UMass does not get any second-chance points and make it easy for them to run into transition. If Verdy wants to stagnate this UMass offense, they have to box out, and again, Hammer the glass. The goal for the Rams should be to out-rebound the Minutemen, and and if they can do that, that would favor the Rams a ton in this one. Another key, as you mentioned, shut down Trey Mitchell. He can do everything, pass, shoot, drive, whatever it takes for this man to score or the team to score, he does. You cannot leave him open from beyond the arc or let him get inside the paint one-on-one because he's a great post player as well. If I'm David Cox, I'm putting an X over his head, just saying no easy shots, always contest, and constantly apply pressure to Trey Mitchell. Now, and then finally, this just for both sides of the game. The Rams need to keep the turnover margin close. If they can do all three of these, they should blow out the Minutemen in a game which they should win anyways. These are my points of emphasis for this roadie team.
1: Yeah, hopefully should be a win. I mean, Trey Mitchell, he's going to have a good game. That, that That's just because he is probably the best player in the conference, but... I mean, this team, I feel like they heavily rely on him so much so that if he's not having a big game or he can't score in the paint, then they're going to struggle to score. But you still have to take away his weapons on offense because then it makes it easier. I mean, we saw it against Richmond where it was more difficult. I feel like they tried to put more of an emphasis on defending Jacob Gilliard in that second half because he was just taking over. But then you forget about Grant Golden who's wide open in the paint because they cut so well, he's wide open. He's got an open dunk. You can't let that happen in this game where Trey Mitchell kind of deceives you. And then they've got an open guard in the corner for a three and he bangs it home. I mean, you can't have that. You can't have everybody going, but if you take away his weapons, it'll be easier to shut him down because he won't be able to dish it all around the floor. Like he can and just be the, the best player on the floor for this team. I still need to shut him down, but an easier way to do that is to take away what's around him.
0: So that game gets UMass is tomorrow night, January 13th on Nesson at 7 PM. Colin, the next game for the Rams is on Saturday evening. They take on the George Mason Patriot. They come back to the Ryan center for the first time in three games. They take on George Mason that's on January 16th, 5 p.m. on CBS Sports. George Mason is 5-5, 1-3, 8-10 in play. They have close Ws over a D2 school in Queens, VMI, Towson, the UMass W, which I don't even know how, and they have a victory over Howard, who did not have Maker Mocker, so not really a real victory over Howard, but they have lost to Belmont, Norfolk State, which is a terrible game. You can't lose to Norfolk State, but they lost to Norfolk State, and they also lost to Dayton, VCU, and Richmond, Granton, Granted, they've had the hardest 8-10 schedule to start off the bat. This team has been struggling as of late, losing four out of the last five contests. Look at this team individually. Jordan Miller, right? Guard Jordan Miller, obviously this team's star player. He's averaging 15 points and 5.4 rebounds. And standing at 6'6", he poses as a major threat on offense for the Patriots. Another key player to look out for is Rhode Island native freshman guard, Tyler Kolek. He attended St. George's in Newport, and he's trying to fill that hole that star Justin Keir left when he graduated last year. Colek is doing a pretty solid job in the scoring department, averaging 11.3 points. Another name that should ring a bell is forward, 6'7 forward, A.J. Wilson. He's having a down year now, only averaging 9.3 points, 5.3 rebounds. At the last time these two teams met late last January in, George, uh, in Fairfax, he had 23 points for the Patriots against the Rams. Other notable players for the Mason Patriots, to look out for our guard, Javon Green, and freshman Josh Oduro.
1: I mean, this team has definitely struggled this year. There's no doubt about it, but they do have a lot of depth. I, I mean, what what you just mentioned, I, I feel like that's a lot of depth for this team. It's a surprising amount of depth. Uh, obviously, with Keir leaving, he was one of the most talented scorers in the conference. But, I mean, this game, I, I feel like you should win. I, I feel like if you lose this game, it's going to be kind of difficult to recover. But I think this is going to be a dogfight. I really do. I think this is going to be a really tough game. I don't think it's going to be easy at all. I mean, they, you know, just looking at their wins and losses, they're not great. Like you mentioned before, losing to Norfolk State, nothing, nothing pretty about that. But I mean, they, they've proven they can battle with teams at times and then it kind of slips away. So I mean, these two teams are kind of made for each other, right? They battle for a little bit, and then they take a breather, and then all of a sudden they're down by a ton, and they're going to lose. So maybe, maybe they're a match made in heaven. But I mean, Rhodey seems to be a little bit more talented, have a little bit more depth than George Mason. But you can't overlook this game. I mean, it's you, you can't be thinking, "Hey, we're at the comforts of our own home. We're playing a you know mediocre team in George Mason, and you know that that's how you're going to lose." So I mean this team still has a lot of talent. They still have a little bit of experience. I mean with AJ Wilson, I feel like he's been there a decent amount of time, but he can be he can be a pretty, you know, deadly scorer. We saw it last year in that game like you mentioned before, and considering the Rams have done a, you know, somewhat decent job of guarding big forwards, this can be another challenge. I mean coming off of trying to guard Trey Mitchell, you're going to get AJ Wilson that that there's no you know, in between for those two, those are two very good scores. So it'll definitely be difficult. I mean, for this team, I, I, you know, it's a little things we, I feel like we say it every time, but if you're not making your free throws in this game and I don't care who you're playing, I don't care if you're playing, you know, George Washington, George Mason, you know, one of those lower teams are playing Richmond or St. Louis, you got to make your free throws and you can't turn the ball over. You can't have more than 15 turnovers because then you're allowing them to have those free points. So I feel that tighten up some things. You got to have another good, you know, performance in three point range. I mean, we saw it against VCU. They shot very efficiently from three. You're going to need it again here. You can't have those possessions where you just take a lousy three at the start of every possession. I feel like the Rams were shooting a lot smarter against VCU. You have to be smarter. You, You can't. You know, have those terrible possessions and those turnovers, even against George Mason. It should not happen. You just got to clean it up in this game and you should win this game.
0: Yeah, some keys for me, Colin. Be aggressive on the defensive end. The Patriots are sloppy with the ball as well, averaging 14 and a half turnovers a game. So this should be a game in which the Rams should win the turnover battle if they play smart, selfless basketball. Also, no easy looks for this George Mason team. Foul if you have to. This team shoots a pathetic 62% from the free throw line. Make sure to give them nothing down low easy and to foul them if needed because free throws are not their strong suit at all. And finally, for the offense, take high percentage shots. Do not waste trips taking contested forced shots early in the shot clock. Control the pace of the game and look over all of the options. Roy tends to play. They tend to play better. They take more time and run their offense. They become more efficient. They play better from the field, which can help the Rams thwarp the Patriots on Saturday. Before we get into scores around the 8-10 and previous week as well, Rhodey has five upcoming games. UMass, George Mason, Duquesne, George Washington, and LaSalle. There is no reason why this team shouldn't go 5-0 and during this stretch. This would be huge if they want to be a double-by contender. If they do that, they'll be standing at a solid 11-6, 8-2 in the in the league with momentum heading into their toughest stretch of the year. This is big, Colin. Right? You can't lose more than one game in this five-game stretch if not lose at all. Right? UMass, you should win that game. George Mason, you should win that game. Duquesne has been riddled with transfers. No more sincere carry lead the leader on that team. You should win that game. George Washington has been struggling all year. You got to beat them. LaSalle, who's beat Dayton, but they've lost to UMass twice. They lost to George May. I mean, you got to beat them. So that those are five games you should win. Not saying you or I will win them. I'm not saying they are going to go 5-0. I'm saying that they should if they want a chance to have a double-bike spot in that a 10 tournament because after that, they have a very tough schedule. They play dayton twice they play Davidson they play St. Louis so it's just very very tough for the Rams uh, upcoming after these next five games so I think they have to take the best of the opportunity they have now win out those five games that'll give them momentum going into those really tough ones
1: I mean those are five winnable games I don't know if they're going to win all five I mean maybe we should temper our expectations but I mean just looking at it I feel like they should at least win all five I mean if not go four and one Go at, you know, at least four and one. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's a stretch that helps them. They've had some tough games to open up the year in the A-10. I mean, they've already played Davidson, St. Bonaventure, VCU, Richmond. And I mean, just looking at it, I mean, they have some decent wins already. They've beaten VCU and St. Bonaventure, which are two good teams. You beat a team you should beat in St. Joe's, and then no bad losses so far in A-10 play. I mean, only Davidson, which was a game that was just sloppy, and then you know, a game against Richmond where you were competitive, but some things could have gone your way. They didn't. Unfortunately, you lose that game. But still, I mean, you've done okay so far. You got a good stretch coming up here. You got to take advantage.
0: So that's going to do it for our preview of Verdi's next two games this week. We're going to get into scores around the A-10 from last week and some upcoming A-10 games. Starting last Tuesday, Fordham taking down Dayton. 55-54, Fordham's first win against the Flyers in over 15 years. Big time for the Fordham Rams, but not looking good for Dayton. That's a tough loss for them. Davidson defeated Duquesne on Tuesday night, 61-48. On Wednesday, Richmond defeated Rhode Island, of course, by 7. St. Bonaventure crushes St. Joe's by 26, 83-57. And BCU defeats George Mason, 66-61. Look on to Friday 10. You have Dayton taking on Davidson. Dayton taking the victory over Davidson, 89-78 in overtime. On Saturday, the Rams of Rhode Island took on the Rams of VCU. URI, of course, won by 15. Richmond took care of George Mason soundly, 77-57. Duquesne squeaked by Fordham. Fordham could be a little better than we thought, 48-45. UMass beat LaSalle by 16. And St. Joe's defeats out-of-conference Albany by three to get their first win of the year. Looking into this week, uh, upcoming games. On Tuesday, St. Joe's takes on Davidson. At Davidson, a game Davidson should probably win. But after that loss to Dayton, we don't know. On Wednesday, Rhode Island playing UMass on the road. BCU going to D.C. Take on George Washington. St. Bonaventure going to Fordham. See if Fordham can keep playing well, it seems. I mean, their defense seems to keep doing well. See what they do against St. Bonaventure at home in the Bronx on Wednesday afternoon. LaSalle taking on George Mason. That could be a little preview for Rhode Island fans to see how George Mason will fare against them on Saturday and Duquesne going on the road to Dayton Wednesday night. This week of Friday, 10, we have Duquesne at St. Bonaventure. Should be a Sal game. St. Bonaventure should take care of business there. And on Saturday, George Mason at Rhode Island. On Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, game of the week. We'll talk about it later. BCU at Richmond. A Richmond battle should be a good one. Then Davidson going on the road to Philly to take on LaSalle. Finishing off with some games on Sunday. Dayton on the road going to visit George Washington Sunday afternoon. And a little later Sunday afternoon, UMass goes on to take Fordham in the Bronx. That's going to do it for last week's scores in these upcoming A-10 games. Let's take a quick look at the standings in the A-10 as we've now played a few games in the A10, at least four or five each team, or three three to five each team. Richmond just top of the A ten at three and one. While we have VCU, George Washington, UMass, and St. Bonaventure all at two and one. St. Louis yet to play a conference game due to COVID. They are ranked number 24 in the nation. Uri's at three and two in the conference. Dayton, Davidson, LaSalle, and Duquesne all at two and two apiece. And George Mason and Fordham at one and three and St. Joe's yet to win a game in conference play. Quick stat, quick save metric stat, Fordham has more A-10 wins than St. Louis. Are they better than St. Louis? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Just saying, Fordham has more wins than St. Louis in A-10 play, Colin. Want to go around the scores from last week?
1: Yeah, first I just want to say that after Fordham beat Dayton, that celebration by their coach, I mean, that was just... That was awful. I've never ba- seen that. It was so
0: bad, it was good.
1: I No, no, that's just bad. It, it wasn't so <laughs> bad that it's good. I, I, he didn't even know what to do. I guess I haven't won in a while, but he was just, like, jumping around, and it, it was just, oh, my god! Like, in his was... own
0: space, he was like, jumping around. <laughs> that was a team, like He was in his own space, jumping around. He had, like, one water bottle he threw. Like, oh, my God. If, if
1: anyone out there hasn't watched the, the Fordham coach celebrate if they beat Dayton, you should. That That's but, a good uh, laugh there.
0: Would you expect anything else from Fordham?
1: <laughs> I guess not. I mean... There we so, go. Uh, that, that was awful. But yeah, let's get to the, the scores around the country. Give our um recaps from the picks we made from last week. As you mentioned before, we had the A-10 game of the week on Friday, the eighth. Dayton taking down Davidson 89, 78 in overtime. You had Davidson and I had Dayton. So I'll take a win there. On Tuesday, the first, number 23, Michigan State demolishing number 15 Rutgers, 68 to 45. We both had the Spartans there, so both take a win. On Wednesday, the 6th, number 10, Michigan. How about Michigan? They're undefeated right now. They took down number 16, Minnesota, 82 to 57. We both had Minnesota in that one, so both take a loss there. Now, moving on to Saturday, huge game. Number four, Texas, taking down number 14, West Virginia, 72 to 70. Came down to the game winner. For Andrew Jones, he had the dagger in that one. We both had Texas. We'll both take a win there. Moving on to Saturday, this game was postponed. Unfortunately, it would have been a fun one. Number 19, Clemson was slated to go on the road at Chapel Hill and take on North Carolina. But that was postponed. We both had Clemson. Obviously, that game did not happen. So we will not count that toward our record this week. Moving on to Sunday, the final game of our picks. Number five Iowa taking down number 16 Minnesota in the rematch game, 86 to 71, the final. You had Minnesota and I had Iowa, so I'll take a win there. Let's look at our record for this week. I would go four and one, you go two and three and now moving on to our overall record. I am a steady nine and five. Unfortunately you will be six and eight on the year, but we got a lot of time to make up because we got some big games this week.
0: Oh, and talk about big games. We have blockbusters this week talking about a blockbuster we're taking on tonight, Tuesday. So about hopefully, you know, this game might be over by the time it's released. But tonight at 7 p.m. ESPN, number nine Wisconsin, goes on the road to number seven Michigan. Colin, who do you got?
1: I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. I I, I just feel like you can't pick against Wisconsin. They've been so good this year. They're only hiccup that game against Marquette. Yeah, they're only real hiccup this year. Um, but I, I I, feel like there's a lot of hype around Michigan. I feel like they're really good. They're, you know, they're an excellent team. Definitely a ton of to know. but Wisconsin, they're just deeper. They're more experienced. They're used to the moment. They're used to these big, big 10 games. I feel like that can get them the win in Ann Arbor.
0: So Colin, you mentioned before, I am six and eight right now. I decided to go against nearly every pick I want to make due to my recent struggles. I want Wisconsin to win. But since you know haven't been going too well, I'm taking big blue. I'm taking Michigan also I mean Hunter Dickinson great center heck of a ball player. It's in Ann Arbor too. I'm taking Michigan. also tonight number 19 Duke taking on number 20 Virginia Tech at 7 pm. Colin who's your pick?
1: I'm gonna go with Virginia Tech I I and I'm gonna base this off. They've just simply played more games this year. I feel like, I think that helps them. In this situation against Duke, I feel like they can get a huge in-conference win. I love Virginia Tech. They've been under the radar. I've kind of been on them this year. I've watched a lot of their games. They're a fun team to watch. This should be a good game. I think they take down the Blue Devils in this one.
0: I really want to pick Duke, but I hate Duke, so I can't really pick Duke. Also, I said last week that I will never pick Duke in these picks, so I'm not going to go against my word after being one week removed from that statement, Hokies for the win. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m. on ESPN 2, number 15, Texas Tech travels to in-state rival, number four, Texas. Colin, this is a big game for both teams in the Big 12. Who's your pick?
1: This one could go either way, I feel like, but I'll go with Texas. I feel like Texas has made a huge impact this year on the college basketball world. They've really taken a lot of people by surprise. I feel like they were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good. I mean, they're right up there with Baylor right now. This is, it's not a great spot for Texas. They're playing a very tough Texas Tech team at home, but I just think they're too talented to lose this game. Nothing on Texas Tech. I love Texas Tech, but I'm going to go with the Longhorns.
0: Again, I want Texas, but as I said before, I'm going against most of my picks, plus Texas struggled a little bit against West Virginia. Thankfully, a buzzer beater by Andrew Jones gave the Longhorns the victory. But nonetheless, Texas Tech, is a very tempting pick as the Raiders, led by Georgetown guard transfer Mac McClung, and VCU transfer who we've seen in the past for a multitude of seasons, Marcus Santos Silva. This team is very talented, and I see them going on the road and upsetting the Longhorns. Big game for Texas Tech. Hopefully they can step up. I'm taking the Red right Raiders. Now, Colin, this Saturday, number two, Baylor goes on the road. Take on number 15, Texas Tech. As you mentioned, a big game, another big game for Texas Tech two big ones this week in the Big 12. That's what you get in Big 12 basketball games at 4 p.m. on ESPN. This is the only time I'm going stick, to stick with my gut because there's no way number two Baylor loses. They're just they, Macy Oteague, Jared Butler. They have the pieces. I'm going Baylor. Sick them, Bears.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Baylor, too. I, I think in my mind, they're the most complete team in the country. If I were to Put a little money down right now. In the future, I'd probably go with Baylor over Gonzaga, actually. So I feel like Baylor is just the the deeper team in this game. They're the more experienced team. I think this plays a factor. I mean, Texas Tech is scary. They're a scary good team, but I don't think they're nearly as good as Baylor. I think Baylor takes them down in this one.
0: Also on Saturday, 6 p.m. on ESPN, number 18, Virginia travels on the road to Death Valley, number 12, Clemson. Colin, who do you have? I'm gonna go
1: with Clemson. Oh, I'm gonna go with Clemson. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't sleep on this Clemson team in the ACC this year. I get there's a lot of hype around Duke and North Carolina and Florida State and Virginia and those teams. Clemson is right there at them with the, you know, the top of the pack in the conference. I feel like they can put the nation on notice, beating a, a very well disciplined team in UVA. I feel like the Tigers can get it done. They're at home to boot. I can go with Clemson here.
0: Yeah, Clemson. Great team, plenty of talent. You got that. But here's the thing, Colin. When Virginia plays Virginia basketball, when they force a slow pace of play and they hit their shots, they can be anyone in the country, even Gonzaga. If they can be a force on the defensive end and hit their shots on offense, I feel like it's the recipe for every team, but especially Virginia with that pack line defense. And then just if offense could a half an offense could help them, their defense you know, very good when they play well. Tony Bennett got them going in the right direction. If they can play Virginia basketball, which I know they can, they will win. I'm taking the Who's over Clemson. Last last game, we have the 810 game of the week on Saturday. BCU at Richmond at one PM on CBS Sports. I picked Richmond against Richmond last time, and it's very, very hard not to do the same. I think they are overrated and a beatable team that squeaks out wins. And over time, I could be wrong, but Bones Highland proved against Rhodey that you can't stop him for 40 minutes straight, but a supporting cast needs to step up. I believe that Richmond, all that said, I believe that Richmond, the starting five, outscores the entire VCU team in a double-digit victory. I'm taking the Richmond Spiders.
1: Yeah, I'll go with Richmond too. I feel like they just have too much depth for VCU. We got to see it up close and personal in that game against Rhode Island. I mean, Richmond, they're, just, they're very talented. They're very used to these big games. I mean, this is at home, too. So I, I like Richmond in this
0: spot. Well, that's going to do it for our picks and for our episode this week. The Rams taking on UMass on Wednesday and George Mason on Saturday. A lot of good games to look out for this week in the A-10 and in across the country in college basketball. That's going to do it for us today. Stay safe, and as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.